This episode of Radio Vet Nurse was proudly brought to you by Zilkeen. Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast with your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast for vet nurses where we tell our story. I'm your host, Kat Robinson. Vet nursing can be a tough gig, and yet we absolutely love it. So when it comes to vet nurses, who are we? How do we achieve greatness? How do we cope with the more challenging parts of our job? Radio Vet Nurse is our way to start a dialogue around these questions and to create a space where we can tell our story. Each episode, you'll hear from a different vet nurse about their personal experiences in life and in vet nursing. In this episode, I caught up with fellow podcaster Yvonne Brandenburg from Internal Medicine for Vet Techs. Yvonne is the creator of an online community of like-minded nurses and techs with an interest in the medicine side of vet med. Yvonne's a self-confessed type A person, always expanding her brain, always reaching towards the infinite possibilities. We spoke about the need to look after ourselves, remembering to be in the moment, and finding a renewed passion for our careers through continuing education and niching down. Yvonne has her VTS in small animal internal medicine, as does her partner in crime, Jordan, from Internal Medicine for Vet Techs. Together, they're doing something really special to elevate our profession and to help others reignite a love of what they do. I'll put a link in the show notes to their online race-approved learning community and their podcast. They're both amazing technicians and lovely people, so be sure to drop by and say hi to them on social media or through their website. Hello, Yvonne. Welcome to Radio Vet Nurse. Hi, Kat. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm excited too. I've been wanting <laughs> to get you on the show for a while and I've been listening to your show for a while. So do <laughs> yeah. you listen to podcasts? I know the answer to this question, but just um, shoot. <laughs> right? No, I don't, li- I don't listen to any podcasts whatsoever. <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely listen to podcasts. Um, I, I, I listen to Radio Vet Nurse because I love it. Um, I awesome. love supporting technicians. So um, definitely you. And then uh, Vet, Tech Ca- Vet Tech Cafe, which I know you had. I think you had Dave on, right? Or was it Jeff? I had Jeff. Jeff. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff's on. Um, and so definitely listen to Vet Tech Cafe. And then Anesthesia Nerds. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely listen to that. I listened to one called Cat Disgusted. Um, which you probably don't know about. It's um, one of my old coworkers. She has her VTS in emergency and critical care, and she used to be in theater stuff. So she's hilarious. <laughs> oh my oh, god, that's a cat. Nicodemus, <laughs> oh, can you please go lay down? Oh my god. See, Jordan usually has to edit this stuff out of ours. What? Okay. I'm just gonna leave it because it's hilarious. Oh my god, he's the worst. he's like he's like 18 years old and he's like what's going on over there why is the door open in the garage yes my 13 year old (sighs) dog is a bit like that too like i'm like that's the workman that got here five hours ago right (laughs) you're like good job thanks for letting me know yeah yeah so those are um uh i think those are my my veterinary podcasts and then i do listen to a couple business podcasts um I don't know if you're familiar with Amy Porterfield. Um, she's she's amazing for marketing stuff. Um, 
No, I'm not familiar with her, but I do love those marketing podcasts and I listened to a lot of them when my eldest was quite young and I was sort of going, well, what can I do right. to contribute to the business or to do a little side hustle? And I just yeah. plugged into a whole lot of those and went, oh, wow. Um, so there's so many people sharing so much yeah. inside information on, on marketing and online digital marketing, that sort of thing. So, yes, I love those sorts of podcasts too. Yeah, she's she's good because she does marketing and she also talks about um, – doing courses and she just started talking about memberships which you yeah. know <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I, I definitely have started listening to those um and then the other one to go along with that is um one called behind the membership which is um interviews with people who have membership sites and and you know kind of what they do to run there so it's funny because I feel like it my podcast listening has evolved <laughs> over the mm. years. <laughs> mm. I'm like, Definitely. oh, you know, I can still listen to vet tech, but what other things am I listening to? So, yeah, kind of it is good to branch out. And then you have your own podcast, which um, yes. and your own membership associated. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I am one of the co-hosts for Internal Medicine for Vet Tech's podcast. Uh, my co-host is Jordan Porter. Um, the two of us. Uh, once a week, we release an episode that goes over right now. I think we're mostly kind of in the basics of internal medicine. So we talk about the different body systems, anatomy, physiology. Um, when we're talking about diseases, we'll talk about diagnostics and treatment plans and, you know, some of the things that as a veterinary technician or a nurse, depending, you know, where you are, um, whether you need, you know, if you're what kind of skills we need to have and how do we talk to clients and how do we deal with our patients. And so, you know, that was something we started about a year ago and, um, it has evolved. <laughs> mm. And you and Jordan are both VTS small animal internal medicine. Is that right? Yeah. Um, that, that is yes. <laughs> Jordan. Amazing. Yeah. It's funny because Jordan found me through the website that I had created, um, while she was studying, she was using my website to kind of study. And then we met up at ACVIM right after she sat for her boards and I, and I was like, you know, you sat for your boards, I'm buying you a drink. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we just started talking and then I roped her into joining the business and, you know, it's been, been over a year and we're celebrating our, our year for the podcast next month or, well, when this goes live, it'll be last month. <laughs> it's a really nice podcast too. And I love um, the vibe between you two. And I find it so interesting that Vet Tech Cafe um, and your podcast, you're both uh, the co-hosts are geographically, you know, quite far apart. Right? Just people who have come together and said, right, we've, we've both got this interest in common. Um, and you both release weekly episodes and I just take my hat off to you guys because yeah. I feel like I'm spinning plates to get a monthly episode out so well and um, I can't even imagine doing it as a solo because that means you have to kind of do everything so yeah. I feel really fortunate in that Jordan Jordan right now um has really stepped up with the podcast so she currently is doing most of the notes as well as editing um for a yeah. while there it was it was more split but when we kind of uh, decided we were going to do a membership um i'm more technical most of the times although recently mm. i feel like i haven't been <laughs> mm. Mm. but um 
I've been focused more on the, the back end of the membership site. And then she's been, I'm going to say she's running the podcast. Um, I'm along for the ride at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Although we're getting back to a more normal soon. But but it's really time yeah. consuming when you're learning a new platform. Like yeah. I've got an online training course for Ready Vet, my vet practice. Yes, and that I took saw me, that. That was really cool. Yeah. And that took me a really long time to learn the back end mm-hmm. of that and how it all works and start dragging stuff in there right. whereas yeah. by then I'd been running the podcast for you know a couple of years or whatever so by the time you are editing quite regularly yeah. you develop your own little systems and your filing systems and your mm-hmm. you know you learn the keyboard shortcuts and you can do right. it all pretty quickly and you can do your show notes at the same time as you're editing and getting your pull quotes or whatever so I think that um yeah I'm sure that Jordan has her systems down now she definitely kind of does like, yeah boom 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 whereas you're like oh my god I've got to wrap my head around this whole new platform uh, now yeah. is that membership for people who are studying towards their um vts or is it just for any nurse or technician wanting to do is it particularly internal medicine cpd or ce how, how does that work yeah so it is um it's for veterinary technicians and assistants um we we also have a, a doctor who is part of the group which is amazing um because mm-hmm. we just launched uh, a little under a month ago, we did our official mm-hmm. launch because this is September at this point when we're recording. Um, and the, the idea is it's a community of like-minded technicians or veterinary professionals really, um, that, you know, that have an interest in internal medicine, but, but it's, you know, you don't have to have a specialty in internal medicine to, get stuff out of it because, you know, we go through basics, um, and there's so much overlap between like emergency and critical care and general practice. Mm -hmm. So really it's, if you are passionate about the medicine side of veterinary medicine, um, you know, it's, there's something there for you. Um, and we were talking about this a little bit off, off the recording off air. Um, so CBD, which is can, continuous professional development right that's it yes Mm -hmm. okay um so cpd (laughs) that's uh uk and australia new zealand i can't remember if new zealand uses cpd um i know for sure australia and the uk and then in in america and i believe canada we call it ce which is continuing education um and jordan and i we we realize because we do have our VTS in internal medicine that, you know, we are considered experts in our field. Um, mm. And so we we decided to look at uh, race approval. So the uh, AAVSB, which is, <laughs> if I can remember <laughs> what that means, I, I, but they basically what they do is um, you submit for an application to get approved to be a provider and that that basically means that you know we basically we have the credentials and and we're allowed to speak on the subjects that yeah that we say yeah. we're speaking on um and so for for technicians here in the u.s um most state boards require continued education to be race approved in order to count mm-hmm. towards licensure so we mm-hmm. we said that was a big deal and and we you know decided to do that and and then we realized we could wrap that all up in the membership too. So, um, mm. 
you know. So do you pay like a monthly membership and then you get access to different webinars and that sort of thing that give you different levels of points depending on how in-depth they are? Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, basically. So it's the membership you do monthly or yearly. We have both yep. both options. Um, and then you get access to everything that we have in the membership. Um it's still fairly new, but right now what's in there, um, we have the community. So we have the forums where people can talk to each other. Um, like we have a couple of groups. We have one group, uh, they're studying for their VTS. So they're, you know, kind of interacting on getting their application together or they, you know, did submitted the application and are ready and waiting to sit for the boards next year. And then we have another group that's for their they're getting ready for their VTNE, so the uh, Veterinary Technician National Exam, so the the basic licensure exam, and then you know we have general forums, but we also have the courses. So the courses consist of um, you know some lecture hours. There's handouts. There's quizzes that go along with it and then you get a certificate at the end but the thing the thing that we also did was we got our podcast actually race approved oh, so wow. yeah so so that makes it easy you could be you know listening to a podcast so driving to work or you know doing chores and and earn race approved credits um and in the membership all you have to do is just answer five questions and you get the the hour ce for that um oh, yeah excellent which is really excellent cool. Oh, I love that because, yeah. um, I mean, we have a similar thing in our one of our, uh, our Australian Vet Nursing Journal over here. You can mm. read an article within the journal and then answer, you know, multiple choice questions exactly. to get yep. the points, that sort of thing. So um, it's really something that I want to flag for Australian nurses too and definitely put a link in the show notes. I think that internal medicine is a great area because most practices – you know, we nurses and technicians will have something to do with that. I mean, oh, it's not sure. yeah. like orthopedic surgery right. or, you know, emergency <laughs> or critical care where yeah. a lot of practices in Australia who are located in the city, they refer all of that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but we all have, you know, patients who are coming in that are just sick and they're yeah. um, in patients and they're, they're medical cases. So yeah. um, I think there could be a lot of people really interested in that and looking to, to pursue sort of CE in that area or CPD in that area. Area. So I will put a link um, and I love being able to just plug in a podcast and be learning at the same time as driving <laughs> right? a car yeah. or walking a dog. So I don't think you can beat that. Yeah, that's what that's what I love about podcasts is that, you know, like because I depending on traffic sometimes because I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, I could be in the car anywhere from a half an hour to an hour in traffic. And yes, I I. I obviously am a type A person. <laughs> so so I don't I don't like just sitting there and and feeling like my time is wasted. So podcasts, yep. I feel like my brain is growing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now speaking of sitting in traffic, where mm. are you from and where do you currently live? So uh originally I was born in Germany. Um and Oh, then, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I'm 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 actually German. Um <laughs> so I was born in Germany and then I moved here when I was four years old and, mm-hmm. and here being California. Um and I've actually been in the San Francisco Bay Area since then. Um a couple different cities around the bay, but um, you know, been here since then, although 
you know, we keep talking about potentially moving to different places because it's fairly expensive here. And uh, Mm -hmm. as everyone knows, technicians, yes, I make a decent wage as a technician, but (laughs) I'm Mm. I'm not like running a Fortune 500 company. So, Mm. um, you know, (laughs) we've talked about going somewhere where it's a little bit less expensive, but you know, we've, we've been here the whole time and, uh, you know, all our friends and family are here. So we'll, we'll probably yeah. say we're going to move and never actually do. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big, um, issue, isn't it? Matt and I used to live in Brisbane, which is mm. the capital of Queensland in Australia, but we just yeah. couldn't get ahead financially. You know, I was a yeah. solicitor and he was a vet and <laughs> we still couldn't get ahead. And part yeah. of it was that it's more expensive to rent and live and park and everything there. Yep. But it's also that we had, you know, once a week there'd be some friend's birthday and that would involve going to a restaurant and mm. paying for food and paying for wine and paying for beers and getting a taxi home. And before you know it, you've spent hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Um, and so we moved to the country in r- remote far north Queensland. And not only is the cost of living cheaper, you also can't do those things because right. <laughs> there is no taxi here. and <laughs> There is no restaurant here. You know, you know, there is, but it's not the same. So yeah. we're like, huh, we're saving money on multiple levels. So right. it is good. But, you know, the, the, there is a price you pay in terms of being far away from family and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. big decisions, I think, um, around that no matter where we live and how did you get your foot in the door with I'm going to say disclaimer here too I usually say with vet nursing but we're going to explain we use we use the term nurse and technician interchangeably um, we basically mean the same thing but nurse vet, oh, nurse is a protected term in the states yeah. um, the human nurses have said guys this is our word back off and that's why you guys are veterinary technicians so how did you get your foot in the door with being a veterinary nurse slash technician well, it's uh, I, I always kind of giggle at this story because uh, originally I was in school um, getting my art degree with a minor in psychology. Oh, and wow. Then, I know it's really funny because then I was like, oh, I'll never make money at working in art or psychology. Um, and so I took a year off and I was just working, you know, my retail job. And uh, my cousin, she was my best friend growing up. She just kind of threw it out there one day and she was like, would, would you want to work in veterinary medicine? And I was That's like, That's where the big no. bucks are at. <laughs> no, I know, right? Looking back at it, I was like, whoa, what was I thinking? Um, but she was like, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun. And I was like, oh, God, no. I would never want to do that. I couldn't even imagine euthanizing a dog or a cat. Like, there was mm. no way I'd want to do it. Mm. And uh, and then she just kind of kept at it. And I was like, well, let me let me volunteer at, like, the local SPCA and I, and I did, and I, and I loved it. Like I loved walking the animals and, you know, I had dogs growing up and, and then, you know, I, I was like, sure, let's just do it. And I, I signed up and my husband was like, you just signed up for what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was a fun conversation. Um, but that, you know, threw me in and I was so green when I started in this. Um, I had no veterinary experience whatsoever. I was scared to death of cats. I thought they were just horrible. I would stress sweat and like heart pound anytime I got near cats. Me too. Because they have bitey, <laughs> scratchy parts, right? <laughs> they twist and turn in unpredictable exactly. directions. Yeah, and they were always mad and hissing at me. Um, mm. Probably because I was stress sweating. Um, <laughs> right. And, and then, you know, I just, I worked my way up and, you know, oh God, I'm going to age myself here. 
Uh, <laughs> let's see. 2020. So 17 years later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm still doing it, which is kind of insane to me that I'm still doing it. Um and I and I I don't stress sweat anymore with cats. <laughs> and it only took me seventeen years, right, guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely less than that. But but I'm actually now a big proponent for not stressing cats out because yeah, they I've feed just off enrolled of us. Yeah. myself and a few of our team into Fear Free. Oh, you did okay, accreditation yeah. because I, we've been saying for years, oh, we need to step up our game with cats. I mean, we already yeah. have you know separate cat and dog wards and oh, pheromones perfect. and and that sort of thing. But you know, still we're like, no, we need to get with the times on this. So um, yeah. we've made it a priority. So how have you improved um, your handling of cats? and you're reduced your stress sweating when working with cats how have you done that well well it started with my um boss at the time he literally pulled me aside and and said Yvonne if you do not stop being so scared of cats I will no longer let you handle cats because you're going to get someone bit yeah and I was like okay um and then you know cats kind of wandered into my life um Nicodemus, who was the one meowing earlier, I don't know if you guys heard him. Um, he's my old man. He's 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 eighteen, and he was a cat on the streets that mm. wormed his way into my life. And you know, I I just learned so much about their their behavior and mm. seeing what makes my cats stress out. And then you know, I see the cats at at work, and and I mean, it definitely was gradual, but I I I've seen that you know, the more we amp up, the more they amp up. Mm, um, mm. And so I think realizing that and coming out of cat in a quiet environment, you know, and getting them out of the room where all these dogs are at, because a lot of these cats are like cat only households and they mm. don't go outside and this whole experience mm -hmm. is scary. Mm -hmm. And so just trying to remember as busy as we are to kind of step back and take a look around the room from the perspective of your patient. I think mm. I, I, I probably don't do it as much as I should. <laughs> take them out of that I vulnerable try. situation. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And check yourself. I think with cats and dogs, check yourself. Yeah. If you're like really wound up and you're rushing around, you've got to go, Oh, hang on. This is not the way to approach yeah. this patient that I now have to go. And treat, and I think getting a cat or getting a dog is great advice too, because we yeah. had a trainee nurse who was not great with dogs and just couldn't read basic behaviour. Like would come out yeah. and say, "We need a blanket for this dog because he's cold," and we'd be like, "What?" And I'd go in and look and go, "Oh no, he's scared. Like he's shaking." Right. And these are the ways that I can tell that he's scared and not cold. And in the end, we just kept saying to her. You need to get a dog. You need to get a dog. Yeah. You need to get a dog. And then she did, and now she's a lot better. So yeah, getting a cat or getting a dog, um, just to to be you know comfortable with handling them and seeing how they behave when they're happy, fearful, vulnerable, threatened, right. not threatened, comfortable. Um, that can help you sort of read some of those cues. I think. Yeah, and I think just you know it's hard because right now you know being in the middle of. I, we're still technically in the middle of the COVID thing. Mm, and we should <laughs> that yeah, is so 2020. September 2020, <laughs> if we timestamp our interview today. Yeah. Um, we're definitely still, and I need to touch base on you with where what that means for you in your state, but let's oh, yeah. continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, with, with everything that's going on, I think 
clients are still super stressed out about it. Um, yeah. You know, veterinary technicians, well, veterinary practices in general, I think, have been hammered since, I'm going to say, March of this year. Mm. Um, and so many people are beyond stress with, you know, just life in general right now. And I think... Mm. I try to, I try to do this and I know I'm not the best at it, but, you know, trying to just take a breather, look around you and just, you know, stop, stop being so five steps ahead and trying to be in the moment, you know, Mm. and it, and it's hard because as much as I like to think I, I do that sometimes, I know I don't. And so I think that's why I have to remind myself. And I think... Such a good point because I train my staff to think yeah. ahead, think ahead, think ahead. Well, yeah, because you do want to do that, but it's yeah. like y- you almost like have to counter condition yourself a little bit yeah. because yeah, yeah. you do want to be prepared. Now? Let's but do it you really also, well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, because you also don't want to get into the situation with dogs or cats, especially the ones that are scared and 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 just nervous being mm. in the situation. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get to the point where you have them out and you're like, oh. I forgot my pressure wrap or, oh, I mm. forgot my syringe or I forgot that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because you, yeah, you want to have everything kind of ahead of time and think that five steps ahead. Mm. But then when you're actually with the patient, you know, trying to just be present in that moment and not get mad at them f- for something that is not their fault. Mm-hmm. Um Cause That's I see right. that too, right? Like you're frustrated and you get mad that like you didn't hit the vein, but like you're like stupid dog or, so I think it's, it's, it's hard because our jobs are super stressful to take a moment and just be like, whoa, why, why am I, why am I so wound up? You know, do I need mm. to take a quick moment to just regroup Mm. and get back and and it's hard because everybody's short staffed so mm-hmm. you know there's that part too <laughs> mm, I know I know and talking about your role and what you're doing day to day where do you work what's your position can you tell us about that yeah so I am I'm pretty fortunate um I started I work for a company called Sage Veterinary Centers Um, they're here in the Bay area primarily, but they have a couple of other locations, um, along the West coast of the United States. Um, and I work in the internal medicine department. Um, I, the location that I'm at, I've, I've actually been with them for eight years, um, which, which is mind blowing to me actually. Mm. Um, and I work day to day with, with, you know, internal medicine patients and, um, you know, I, I definitely, it's, it's funny that I've been in that position for so long because I think that's the longest I've ever been in one specific position because I've always wanted to move up in the world. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think I found the outlet for that in my business outside of work. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with what I'm, where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, but you know, day to day is, you know, checking clients in, getting full histories, um, especially on our consults, you know, full history, uh, rechecks, the histories are a a little bit abbreviated, but still, still get all the, the big major points, um, you know, getting vitals, any, any diagnostics that need to happen. Um, internal medicine, we see a ton of like kidney patients, GI patients, diabetics, Mm -hmm. um, 
endocrine, <laughs> you mm. know, all, all those mm. things. That's what we deal with a ton, um, or like autoimmune disorders. Um, so those are the patients that, that we see kind of on a daily basis and, mm-hmm. and internal medicine, our, our clients are most of the times they're longer term clients. And then we also, you know, just work closely with the general practitioner um, because, you know, we, we don't, we don't do GP. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the last time I looked in an ear or <laughs> the last like, what's time. What's a worming tablet? Like, <laughs> no, right. Exactly. What's a tooth? Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I did a dental cleaning, which is really sad because I used to love doing them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. And then, you know, filling prescriptions and, and doing a lot of client communication, um, and client education on, on diseases or medications and those kind of things. Um, so that ends up being a lot of my job. (laughs) And what's your favorite part of your job? I I love doing the diagnostic stuff. So like endoscopy, CT mm-hmm. scans. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I I love blood smears, looking for platelets and and spherocytes and um you know, the more hands-on stuff that I can do. Um mm-hmm. I love that part of it. That is that is the part that I really enjoy. Awesome. Um, which, which is sad. I, I should enjoy the client education more, but sometimes they just make me mad. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, clients, uh, we were talking about this yesterday with my guest clients in Australia. I know particularly in areas where the lockdowns have been more severe and the yeah. COVID-19 case uh, numbers have been higher. Clients are very sensitive and um, mm-hmm. clients who've particularly been great clients might be now moving into the category of difficult clients. And it's just because of this powder keg of, um, stress, I guess, that we're taking yeah. people who are stressed with their home situation because they might be working from home with kids needing homeschooling and, um, fear for their parents. Maybe they can't visit their elderly parents, you know, compounding stress factors and then just getting all of these people to interact together in this situation where, stressed vet tech is talking to stressed pet parent yeah. is talking to stressed vet or whatever the case um, may be so I think at the moment um, nobody would blame you for saying that's perhaps not your <laughs> uh, favorite part of the role Dr Andy Rourke's been talking about it a lot too saying it's it's noticeable is that your experience with the pandemic are clients yeah. in the building again for you or not no we're, we're still not allowing clients in the building the only exceptions we're making right now are for euthanasias um yep. and then they have to be fully screened before we allow them in um but we're still not allowing clients in and and from what i heard from or for what i've heard from our our you know upper management it it's probably not going to be this year that we're wow. going to open up our our because we just we we continue to have new cases and yep you know, when this all started, um, I think we talked about it on the, on the kind of crossover podcast episode. Um, mm-hmm. my clinic had six positive people. Mm. Um, and so thankfully we haven't really had any since then, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was a lesson for my, for my company that they were like, nope, um, no exceptions. What did so, you do when people were positive? Did you have to close or did people have to quarantine if they'd worked with those people? How was that managed? Uh, it was it was really difficult. Um, we were given the choice if we wanted to stay home and quarantine, we could. 
Um, if, you know, if we wanted to work, we could, um, because at that point, pretty much everyone in the building was exposed. Mm. Um, and so we, there was, you know, the first, the first few people, um, we shut down the hospital for a day and just deep cleaned. We had a company come in and just spray everything down. Yep. Um, and then we implemented, um, heavier duty or masks for two weeks after exposure. Um, and we socially distanced like all the computers, although it, we kind of giggle now cause we're like, we're technicians. We're like on top of each other all the time, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but right. when we're it's sitting impossible. down, we're going to, we're going to socially distance ourselves. Um, mm, yeah, it's uh, hard. yeah. And just trying to, t- we tried to, have less appointments um, just to try to be able to clean in between. But I think mm. as time has gone on, that just wasn't feasible. And, and it's hard because we want to see all of our patients all the time. But, you know, we should be taking a little bit more precautions. And so it's, it's this weird balance of, you know, we have for internal medicines, we had consults a month, month and a half out. And that just yeah. is really difficult when you have internal medicine patients that need mm. to be seen. Mm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so many challenges. And I mean, in yeah. Australia, a lot of people have bought new pets because they're home yes. and they're thinking, well, this is a great time to get a puppy or a kitten. And that's true. But, you know, friends of mine who live in Melbourne got a new puppy um, and mm-hmm. they don't have kids and they've got um, lots of time to spend with this puppy, but they've been, you know, emailing and calling me saying, oh my God, we need help. We've had to take away our dining table mm-hmm. and all of our work tables and replace them with our camping tables because this dog is just eating the legs of every table and it's ripped out our backyard. And it's oh, and I, I've been putting them through um, a puppy preschool course that I used to teach at our practice. I've just been emailing them the stuff and taking videos yeah. and talking to them because they're you know good friends of mine. But it has occurred to me that the first puppy consults, you know, when when a puppy's um, you know in its first six months of its life, mm-hmm. we see them so frequently. We see them, you know, for usually you know typically for us on the Wasava. Um, Regimen yeah. for vaccinations, we'll see them at, you know, six to eight weeks or 10 to 12 weeks, 14 to 16 weeks, again, later for DSEX. So you have yeah. kind of four consults with a puppy before it's six months old in which you are face-to-face with the owner or the vet or the nurse or a combination of the team is face-to-face with the owner for 20 minutes at a time, depending on how long your consults are in GP setting, where the owner can say, how do I get the dog to stop doing this? Or how do I Mm -hmm. teach the puppy that? And that's part of that puppy consult is enabling the bond between the puppy or the you know the dog and the family by making sure the family have appropriate expectations and understand the basics of training and understand the basics of behavior and with pet parents dropping that puppy off and picking it up afterwards and Mm. with everybody being so busy in practice I feel like it's hard and maybe they're not getting all of that information so um, it's really difficult having you know, for all for all different settings, it's really difficult having yeah. the clients outside of the building and, and makes so much more work and so many phone calls and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely a struggle right now. Yeah, and I think another thing that plays into it, um, both for, you know, puppies, kittens and older animals is, 
you know, puppies and kittens, they're they're not getting the socialization that they would have yes. normally have been getting. So I mm. think they're also going a little bit stir crazy um, mm. and chewing on things that they probably wouldn't be because they'd be out playing with their friends at the dog, doggy, you know, puppy yeah, class or whatever right. it is. They can't go to puppy preschool yeah. or dog obedience club or yeah. Yeah. With, with internal medicine, most of our patients are older patients. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing a lot of you know, we're getting a lot of calls about things that they're concerned about that I, I, I kind of giggle and I'm like, stop staring at your animal. Mm, like, mm-hmm. like that is normal behavior when you're at work. They sleep all day, yeah, you know, like and male I think, dogs have nipples too. That's not yes. a lump. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I think there is this weird like shift where people are focusing more on their animals yeah. and they can't justify going other places so then they're like well let's go to the vet mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. and yeah it makes it more difficult for us to <laughs> looking for a reason to go out and I do the same thing yeah. if I'm going if I've got cabin fever with my kids and you know we're not in lockdown now I'll be like oh that's right I really need to go and do this thing and I'll right? take them with me and load shopping. them up in the car and everybody <laughs> feels better because you've gone and done something so and I remember listening to I can't remember what podcast it was, but um, Andy Rourke was on it and it was just at the very beginning of the pandemic and he was saying these are the – actually, it might have been the Uncharted episode that you Mm. suggested and he was saying these are the potential things that could happen. One is which – one scenario is that vet clinics are really quiet – one is that we're even busier and I was like no way that couldn't happen right and then that's exactly what happened and we were all like oh my god and not only are we busier we're way less efficient yeah yes yes but I'm glad you mentioned in part of your role and being there for eight years that having your side hustle is part of what (laughs) keeps you, you know, happy with what you're doing at work. And and I say that to people all the time because it's easy to get bogged down with, um, you know, things that are out of your control with your job or your career Mm -hmm. or I'm not able to get more exposure to this particular thing at work or I've put forward this idea to management and it's been knocked back. And it's easy to hang everything on the you know on those outcomes that are beyond your control and then Mm -hmm. be resentful of your situation at work but if you've got a side hustle you're like I don't care because I just go to work to do (laughs) my job that I love and I'm getting to extend myself in this other way so I really um cannot advocate more for anybody and and it doesn't even have to be veterinary nursing or technician related it could be you know a photography side hustle or whatever you want to do I think it's it's the reason I'm laughing is because orig- originally this kind of this whole idea came from me hating veterinary medicine. I was oh. like, I am done. I'm leaving. I was just like, I was so fed up and frustrated and burned out. And I was, just, yep. I was like, that's it. There's nowhere else. There's nothing else that I can do. And and so this was probably it's probably three years ago. Um, and I decided. I had I had just gotten my V oh so it was four years ago, I had just gotten my VTS, and originally I was gonna go straight into back into school and get my bachelor's degree, and um, there was just some issues with my transcripts not going through, and so they're like instead of starting September you'll start in January. And I was like, I was so in that go 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 mode, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, what am I supposed to do for four months? And which, you know, again, type A stuff. Um, (laughs) And I was like, well, what do I do? I have four months of I'm not doing what I thought I would be doing. And so I um, (laughs) I dug out this um, this this, like couple of chapters that I had started on a book um, 
like 10 years ago. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write this book in the next four months. And, <laughs> and uh, That's how long people take, isn't it? Four months? Yeah, that should be fine. I mean, some people, yeah, there's, there's a whole range on that. So I like, and I was like, I was kind of getting frustrated with veterinary medicine. So I did this like headlong dive into publishing and self-publishing and, I ended up, I did end up publishing that book, but I learned so much about this whole other industry I knew nothing about. Yep. And then um, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about nonfiction and they were like, well, when you're, you know, as a nonfiction author, when you're an authority in your field, you'll speak at conferences mm. and people want to talk to you. And, it, and I was like, I started giggling because I was like, oh, right. I speak at conferences Mm. And I have a specialty degree and, and I was like, oh, (laughs) and then I realized I should use my powers for good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I switched gears and went into nonfiction and then it kind of has evolved into what I'm doing now. And, um, and, and I think that's a really good point that you brought up is sometimes you have to look outside of your work and Mm. find things that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't relate it to what you do for work. You just have to figure out what you want to do with it. Exactly. Because so many people, when I see the chats on the various social media group groups I'm part of, they say, mm. oh, what do you do when you burnt out from vet nursing? But I feel like I'll have all of this wasted knowledge and, you know, my 15 mm-hmm. years worth of training and skills. And, well, you you know, you can sort of find ways to to direct that and to use that if you if you just spend some time really thinking about it. So, um, I'm, and you can yeah. pull yourself back from that point where that's it. I'm done. I've got to go. So, um, I'm glad well, that other yeah, people can hear that you've done the same. And I think, I think one thing to remember is when you get your veterinary technician degree or your vet nurse degree, right? Your first one, that is entry level into this field. You know, that isn't the end all be all, you know, mm. working in, your first job is not where you're going to end up. Mm. Um, you know, and, and there's the statistics that most vet techs and vet nurses leave by their fifth or sixth year. And I think it's because, you know, we, we aren't necessarily taught that within our profession, there's more things that we can do. You know, it's not just become a vet tech or a vet nurse mm. and then be a doctor. Like there's there's shades of things in between. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to remember that you know, this this field is this field is evolving. Um, you know, I I kind of try to remind people that veterinary technician and veterinary nursing really started in the 1970s mm. and you know, that's, that's only 50 years ago. I know that Mm. sounds like a lot of time, but if you think Mm -hmm. about like human nursing has been over 200, I think they're at 250. So we're a young profession. (laughs) We are a very young profession. And I think, you know, I think that plays into us knowing what we can do, Mm. um, us knowing what we can do with, with what we have and where we can go with that. And, you know, pushing ourselves. And then once we have been in it for a while, just, you know, trying to pave a way for other technicians and nurses below us, quote unquote, mm-hmm. below us, that let them know that they're, you have options. Like, mm, the industry is the only thing you down, have to do. Yeah. You know, 
definitely niching down. And that's why it's great that people like you are giving the option for people to have a little sampler of the area that you've niched into. Like jump on to our membership for a month and see what it's about and decide, do you really like internal medicine? And Mm -hmm. if that's not your cup of tea, then, you know, go and deep dive into, you know, go look at Lou the vet nurse or veterinary Mm -hmm. anesthesia or, um, you know, anesthesia nerds and and have a look. Is that your cup of tea? Is that what you really like? And, and you can sort of sample all of these different areas and say, could I just niche down? Is that my problem? Is that I'm too general? Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, I am, I know myself, I can't work in a small general practice. Um, even when I was in GP, I worked at a GP that had 13 doctors. So yeah. So I, I did like one clinical rotation in school with a one doctor practice. And I was like, Nope, that is not for me. (laughs) So I think without, you know, taking a chance on some of these other things, you would never know if that's something that you love and that you're passionate mm. about if you've never even like been exposed to it or even know it exists. So don't throw um, the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> exactly. Feeling like it's time to go, maybe have a little bit more of a look around. Yeah. Which, I mean, I know that that's very difficult in, in certain parts of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate living in the Bay area that there's so many specialty practices or more niche practices here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's growing every year, right? Mm-hmm. The veterinary industry is huge and it's getting bigger. Um, and I think, you know, um, having pet insurance is helping that because mm-hmm. I think clients are becoming aware that there's more than just, Oh, fluffy, fluffy's, lab work looks bad I'm gonna have to euthanize no now it's Fluffy's lab work looks a little bit bad we can do something about it you know and Mm, so many different levels of options yeah Yeah. so So it's it's evolving and I think um I think the more education we have about some of the options I think the the better and I and I love this one of the reason I love listening to the different podcasts Mm. is that you get little slices of everybody's you know world and it's a little bit different from yours and speaking of getting a slice of everybody's (laughs) world my type a friend what is your routine when you wake up in the morning how do you set yourself up for the day so I am I am a morning person. <laughs> Love it. My my alarm clock usually goes off at five forty five. Um, sometimes I'm up before. I know. I know. It's really sad and pathetic, actually. Um, <laughs> and I like I like to you know get out of bed and then I'll make my coffee and I'll make breakfast and and sometimes um, sometimes I do the Facebook thing, although I try not to because. I can definitely get sucked into that. Definitely. Um, Me too. And yeah. And recently I've been trying to be better about like going into the membership and, you know, just trying to say hi to like the new members and and that, that routine is evolving because it's so new. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I, you know, kind of get ready and make, make lunch and head out the door probably around seven. So, you know, I give myself a little over an hour for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go to work and I work my 10 hour shift, come home, have dinner with my husband. And we, we've been watching a lot of Netflix recently just because we can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm usually sad in bed by like, uh, 10, 10's kind of pushing it for me. So 
Um, <laughs> I try not to fall asleep on the couch, but my husband makes fun of me, and he's he's such a night owl, and I'm the complete opposite. It, it cracks oh, me I up. I just envy anyone who can fall asleep on a couch or anywhere. <sighs> I think I've probably done it twice in my life. I don't do it super frequently, but when mm. I do, I'm like, oh, I got to go. I got to go to bed. It's too late. <laughs> my husband can fall asleep at the dinner table, like sitting oh, up. Oh, yeah. My he husband the same way. Fall asleep anywhere. I'm like, hello, I was yeah. mid sentence. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it does wonders for my self esteem. Now, do you have any uh, weekly or daily habit that makes your life better? Ooh. Uh, I think for me, it's uh, I I love reading. Um, so I I typically read right before bed and. And it's usually, I, I call it the book candy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of like young adult fantasy books or <laughs> uh, adventures. And, and, and so I like it because it just, it gets my brain to shut off from work mm. and stuff from the day mm -hmm. um, and lets me get into that place where I can just like turn it off and then mm -hmm. actually fall asleep. I love that. It's like anti-learning or anti, yeah. you know, yes. informative. It's anti-didactic. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like right now I'm currently rereading Harry Potter and I'm like, oh, I remember when these came out. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy That's, reading. I don't have to think about it. And it just, yeah. you know. <laughs> Escapism. I, I'm similar. I listen to audiobooks while I fall asleep and I, mm. I never listen to anything informative. It's always just purely entertaining and, I, and yeah. I think that's a good way to end the day too. Yeah. And do you have any strange habits or superstitions? I mean, I guess it's like when we're talking, I'll say vet tech stuff. You know, I have the jinxes of don't say that the vein is big because <laughs> then I'm guaranteed to not hit it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, when before doing like an ultrasound or something like that, I have that whole like good dog, good cat, really nice owners usually means it's going to be the worst possible thing. So brace yourself, guys. <laughs> these people are lovely and this dog yeah. is beautiful. Right. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be carcinoma. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm always happy when it's not. <laughs> yeah. But I would say yeah. those are my superstitions as, as a technician. <laughs> yeah. there. I think there are so many universal ones of those. Everyone I talk to, they're like, don't, don't talk about the vein, guys. Anyone who wants to talk about the vein can get out of the room and not come right? back in. Unless there's unless there's the vet tech adage of unless you're telling me it's the tiniest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing when I hit it, then I'm OK. But if you say yeah. that, oh, that looks good today. That's it. I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> it's not a big juicy vein, guys. Just right? get out. I'm like, no, <laughs> you jinxed it. It's going to roll away from me now. Dang it. <laughs> uh, I think that's a yeah. universal law of uh, vet teching and vet nursing. It is, and, definitely. <laughs> and I know you love all your IM sort of gadgets. Is there a purchase made by you or your employer that's positively impacted your technician life in recent memory? I, so this is a good question. So I have um, a couple of different answers. I don't know if it's really recent, but um, Jordan makes fun of me because I talk about it all the time on the podcast recently. Um, it's the Visco Elastigram. Um, so it, it basically it deals with clotting time. So uh -huh. it's this really cool machine. And we just recently 
I would say in the last year or two got it, mm-hmm. where you put the blood in and it gives you this really cool graph that tells you how quickly the clot formed mm-hmm. and how long it takes for the clot to break down. So mm. it's a little bit different than like the PTPTT. Um, so it's, but it, it's the, the, the problem with it is it does take like 45 minutes to an hour because it's the full clot cycle, mm-hmm. but it's really cool for, you know, if you're worried about like SIRS or DIC or okay. you've got mm-hmm. like a hypercoagulable patient, like our mm-hmm. IMHAs, ITPs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like a, it's a cool added way to monitor clotting. Mm, and as we know, with like SIRS and MODs and that sort of thing, we need mm-hmm. to know very, very early on because they the cascade happens so quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. That's a neat one. Anything else? So I, I'm a huge fan of continue education. So anytime my, my work lets me get continue education, I love that because I mm. think, I think, Everybody should do continuing education. And then the only other thing that I would say is um, for us specifically in internal medicine, I say this all the time, we joke about it being the Bible, is the small animal internal medicine for veterinary technicians and nurses book. Mm. Um, there's that so one gets many, mentioned like, a lot when I ask about textbooks on social yeah, media. It's, it's it so is, good. I, I do like, get that it's some kind of a Bible for you guys. Yeah. And, and it's great because you could even use it in GP because, again, mm. You guys are seeing diabetics and, and kidney patients and liver patients. And, and so mm. I think it's it's such a good and it's geared towards technicians and nurses. And mm. so mm-hmm. it's, you know, how how do you do things? What kinds of diagnostics do you need to run? Why are you doing it? So I think mm. that's one of the reasons why we love it so much. I cannot recommend um, having a textbook more highly, no matter what stage you are in your career, if you're studying or if you've been, you know, nursing for 15 years, having an actual tactile, put it in your hands textbook (laughs) that you can come home from work and go, wow, that's a really interesting case that um, I, you know, got brought in on today. Let me make myself a cup of tea or pour myself a glass of red or whatever your poison is <laughs> and yep. sit down and just read about that for five or 10 minutes. And that's how you cement the yeah. knowledge. That's by doing it. And then there's not always time to be asking about it. You know, you, sh- you might be briefed on what you're expected to do. Um, mm-hmm. But if, but if you want to be asking also oh, tell me about this disease or tell me about this process, that's when you can go home, read your book and then come back the next day and then go to that person that you can speak to and say, Hey, I was reading about this yesterday and as I understand it, this is what's going on and blah, 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 blah. And then they'll be like, yeah, and wanting to talk about it more because we're all nerds in that way. Exactly. Yeah. We we spend a lot of time in ultrasound (laughs) Mm. picking our doctor's brain and discussing things. That's one of the things I love about being in ultrasound. (laughs) Do you guys... Do, do, do you guys do the ultrasound or is your doctor doing it and you're just assisting or how does that work for you? Yeah, I I tried really hard to convince my company to send me to go get certified because yep. that is a thing. Yep. Um, but they they didn't. Not yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. This is still a long term goal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's mainly just assisting. Um, mm. But... <laughs> um, What I usually do, because my doctor, she's notorious for getting on the phone right after I tell her we're going to go grab a patient. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) So so a lot of times we'll get into ultrasound and I'm like, where is she? And then I know she's on the phone and I'll just like start 
doing the ultrasound myself. Mm, mm. And, I, and I go, oh, uh, doctor, I think I saw a foreign body, you know? And then, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't say that I did, but I think you're going to find this. And so. It's um, pyometra. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, w- you know, I don't do them, but I've seen so many of them at this point that mm-hmm. um, I'm starting to. My brain is starting to understand it better. So It's so complex. Like I remember we got a new ultrasound machine and Matt was like, the new machine's great. I am pretty crap. So he went right? and did a course <laughs> and came back and was like, ah, that's a relief. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel like um, I can't even get my head around it. But I, as you say, you're this is an area that you're niched into and you're doing this day in and day out. So mm-hmm. um, that's awesome. And can you tell me about a time that you could, that you were able to turn defeat into victory. I, 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 it's funny. I would say, uh, when I, when I published my, my book, um, you oh, know, was this a fiction I, book? It was a fiction book. Yeah. What's it about? <laughs> oh God. Um, so it's a young adult fantasy. Um, I published it under my maiden name. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, the story is about um, a young girl who... <sighs> Let's see if I can remember the log line. Um, it's a young girl who discovers that uh, there is magic in the world um, when she's kind of forced into like a curse. And so she has to reverse the curse and... Um, you know, it's got fairies and shapeshifters and how did you do that in four months? (laughs) I've got a friend who writes young adult fiction and she's writes like one novel over years. Well, I mean, I did the first draft in four months. Uh, That makes you feel better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you got it published. And and I didn't realize how many drafts you'd have to do. So (laughs) yes, that's the thing. Yes. (laughs) So yes, I did the first draft in four months and then I hired a editor, um, you know, and I and I went through that whole process and I learned about self-publishing and just the publishing industry in general. Um, and, you know, I did I learned about the marketing and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, it's that particular genre is just a very intense genre. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so the fact that I, you know, only had the one book kind of thing, I think it 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 did OK, but it didn't it didn't do it didn't continue to do okay after I was, you know, marketing it. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I learned, I learned a lot in that process, which mm. I think is what got me to the point where I could start the, the, the internal medicine for pet parents, which was the first kind of version of the the company mm-hmm. um, because of all the stuff that I learned from what worked and what mm. didn't work with mm-hmm. the, the, the fiction writing. Mm. Um, so I would say that is, that is definitely what helped me get to the point where I feel comfortable doing some of these other things. And, and, you know, I learned how the publishing. So like I published the journals with internal medicine for pet, for pet parents. Mm, so mm-hmm. I would say that's probably, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it was a flop, <laughs> but I know what but you I, mean. You say, yeah, I definitely put more money into it than I ever got back. So yeah, but it's the way that you frame it because if you're talking yeah. about a cost benefit analysis and you know, the yeah. criteria for success is the book being a bestseller or the book itself yeah. you know, generating a profit, that's a different thing to saying 
the the criterion that we're looking at for success is you know did you yeah. did you learn things and are we talking about the the journey or the destination and I think when we're talking about yeah. the journey then that's been well worth every cent um, because what you did was set out to say here's what I'm going to do in this time frame I'm going to be totally responsible for managing myself and if I drift off in the day and waste time and I lose time then that's you know my own problem I've got to be I've got to have accountability I've got mm-hmm. to learn how to research this thing I know nothing about right. figure out how it all works so you know for that for that exercise you probably turn around and say well that was money really well spent because that was my you know my little traineeship into learning yep. how to do this other thing so yeah I love yeah. that if, if it's it, all about it did take a while it. to flip that script so mm. <laughs> during the process I was not thinking that clearly but yeah once it was done you know and I kind of sat back I did end up kind of having that that moment where I was like well this was a learning experience just like when I was in tech school and I knew nothing about the lingo or what I was doing Mm -hmm. I still learned from it and Mm -hmm. uh and yeah it but yeah it, it did I was not that smart during the whole process going I'm learning um so (laughs) <laughs> it, it took a little bit to, to flip that script. <laughs> well, I really like that one because it says to people to just dive in, whatever the hustle or the project is, it yeah. might not be where you end up and you, you can't, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know where right. you're going to end up. You just have to have faith and say, look, the little strings of the universe are just going to appear under my feet as I need my feet to be landing on something um and and it's taken you from the book to the uh, project where the audience was the pet parents to the project where you're like hey I think maybe the audience is actually veterinary technicians and people studying so um so I really love that one I think there's a good message there for everyone (laughs) now are you happy if we take a quick break and come back sure sounds good Excellent. Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from Zilkeen. It's a supplement for cats and dogs that can help with stressful or unpredictable situations. You know the ones, thunderstorms, travel, multi-cat households, all those triggers. Zilkeen contains alpha-cazozapine to help keep the animal calm. It's the same molecule that helps keep newborns calm after breastfeeding. It's palatable and easy to give. I mix it into my dog's food. Some behavioural issues are severe and Zilkeen probably won't help these, but it works well for many pets in stressful situations. Worth a try, right? Hey, Kat Robinson here. You know me from Radio Vet Nurse, but I'm also the co-founder, co-owner and general manager of ReadyVet. ReadyVet is a veterinary surgery in far north Queensland. My husband's a vet and we really, really, really appreciate our vet nurses. In case you hadn't noticed, I'm kind of passionate about nursing too. So when I told Matt I wanted to start Radio Vet Nurse to celebrate vet nurses and tell our story, we agreed that ReadyVet would make this financially possible. So thanks, ReadyVet. That's all. Carry on. Welcome back, Yvonne. I just want to ask, what advice would you give to someone about to enter the world of veterinary nursing or being a veterinary technician? I mean, I think it's, it, I think that's something that we, we kind of talked about already. And that's, you know, understanding it's, it's a long-term game and that when you first get in, that's not, probably not where you're going to spend the rest of your career. Right. And, mm. um, making sure that you go beyond that entry level, position and and getting some continued education and figuring out what you're passionate about and and maybe it is general practice and you know there's a VTS for general practice so I think it's just remembering that 
there's more out there and to never really stop learning I think is the big part that is excellent advice and what advice would you give to a student vet nurse or technician struggling with their studies Ooh, um, so I taught, (laughs) I taught veterinary technology for a while. And I think the biggest, the biggest difference I saw between students that were struggling and not struggling was the students that kind of were immersed in veterinary tech or veterinary medicine were the ones that did tended to do better. So whether that was they were working as a technician or, you know, a vet nurse in a clinic or an assistant. Is it unregistered assistant for you guys? Uh, we, no, we just, we call everyone <laughs> a vet nurse. We yeah. call the person studying, the person qualified, the person not qualified. We call everybody yeah. a vet nurse. In my practice, I call, I, I've adopted a bit of the American terminology just to differentiate. And I say veterinary nurse for someone with a qualification. And I say veterinary assistant for someone who's studying or just um, not yeah. studying and just being trained to assist. It's hard because I, 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 I just call everyone a technician, which mm. is horrible mm. um, because I, I shouldn't, but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're, even if you're an assistant and you're not, you haven't sat for your boards and, and, you know, gotten your qualifications and your certifications, you know, working in a clinic, whether that's as an assistant or as you know the front staff person or a kennel assistant or whatever you know you're you're working at you're surrounded by the language of veterinary medicine and you'll see sneak peeks of of things and and so when you're in school and you're learning you know it's the same thing like with what we were talking about is you know you'll be you'll be discussing a disease or a body system or something and you'll be able to relate that to a conversation you had or a patient you saw or, mm. you know, something else. So really having that immersion is is the best thing that you can do. And, you know, it may be that you can't go into a clinic, but, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, whether it's mm. mine or some of the other ones that are out there, just so you get that language and understand and, and your brain slowly will start understanding Mm, mm, (laughs) veterinary mm -hmm. medicine and putting things together and you know doing continuing education even if you don't have to you know it it's a different way of teaching so you might understand it differently and and better so Mm. I agree with that immersion (laughs) and that's why I made this podcast because when I was on maternity leave I felt like I was forgetting everything um, and but at the same time I was thinking oh I'm not ready to, to put my son into daycare at six months and go back to work right. like I thought I was but I need to stay immersed and there was at that time there was blunt dissection um, mm-hmm. with Dr. Dave and I'm trying to remember probably vet girl because I feel like vet girl's been around I could never access that I think that that is I might be wrong oh, here but I thought it was right. paid access so I, she, never... I think originally it was, and then yeah. at one point, I think a year or two or something like that, I think it became open access. But I think yeah. you're right, yeah. And there was one other um, of a guy who was in California, I'm pretty sure, and he's a vet and he was doing a weekly one that's no longer going at the moment. But I can't remember mm. if he predated me or not. But um, 
basically the shows were vets and right. you know, it, it was good and I was able to sort of um, stay immersed somewhat but I was like I'm going to make the show that I, I want to <laughs> listen to um, yeah. because I, I can't find it out there and so that was part of why I, I did that too just to be like I still need to be hearing about my industry and hearing about my profession and and mm-hmm. just you know staying up to date with what's going on and that's why I'm so glad that there are so many more podcasts now like when I was on maternity yeah. leave with my youngest that's when Jeff and Dave emailed me and were like ah we found you um uh, because they Aww. were searching um vet technician instead of nurse and so they didn't find me straight away and then I think around the same time too you were jumping on my social media saying hey yeah from what one podcaster to another and I was like what yeah. podcast have you got so it's been <laughs> awesome yeah. finding more and more because that's such a great way to immerse yourself whether you're a student and half of it goes over your head or whether right. you've been in the game for 20 years and you just love it um it's it's just such a good tool yeah and i and i think um because uh, dave and jeff and then jordan and i we we actually started our podcasts the same week because we did for vet tech appreciation week last week or last year uh-huh. and um i think the reasons were very similar you know we we were like there's there's not there really weren't veterinary technician or veterinary nurse run veterinary medicine Mm. podcasts that Mm -hmm. we could find and so Mm. I think I ran across you and I was so excited I'm like oh my gosh a technician or a nurse like instead Mm. of just a doctor and exactly yeah because it's it is a little bit of I mean it is a different perspective you know Mm. we it we definitely deal more with like how to do things and you know the whys of things versus the Yes, we talk about anatomy and physiology, but mm-hmm. how does that relate to us, you know, mm-hmm. with what we do? And I think, yeah, just that immersion is huge because then you also figure out, you know, being immersed in it, you you get that passion again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> totally agree. Now, are there any bad or old recommendations that you hear as a technician that you think should be replaced with more useful or modern information? I, I think this is something that there's there's passionate people on one side or the other, um, but scruffing every single cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that is a very antiquated uh, way of restraint. And mm-hmm. and I when I started when I started that's what I did, you know. And mm-hmm. and I, when I was teaching, that's what I taught because that's what everybody that at the time that was that was how you restrain cats Mm, mm -hmm. but i just think there's there's so much better information out there and Mm. there's veterinary behaviorists that you know and then there's the fear free that we talked about a little bit Mm -hmm. that there there's just better ways to do it um Mm. because unfortunately i've seen bad things happen from scruffing cats and Mm. Let's, we, we don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. We all owe it to cats to step up our game with handling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there can be resistance because there is fear mm. around cats as mm-hmm. we opened the show talking about, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is they have why, bitey, scratchy parts. <laughs> yeah, which is why it's important to seek out that information and look into, mm-hmm. you know, doing some CPD around um, fear free or around handling cats or bringing it up in your workplace if you're um, if you are dealing with or I guess you utilizing these antiquated um, techniques and saying it's just not okay anymore with cats right yeah yeah and I think um, 
And I think that's just a matter of, of learning and having more people understand that and being trained to not do it. I think it'll eventually get to the point where that's not the go-to. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're slowly starting to see that, I think. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think we still have a long way to go with, with all that. So Yeah, definitely. And in what ways do you look after your mental well-being and prevent compassion fatigue? And if you're feeling overwhelmed, what do you do? <laughs> Ugh. Uh... <laughs> I definitely have to keep a very close eye on myself because I will get burnt out before I realize it. Um, And so I have to watch for those like little creeping signs that it's getting bad. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, uh, I just uh, last month, I must have been month, month and a half ago, something along those lines. Um, I was extremely burnt out. Um, I think I, I talked about it on social media. I was getting to the point where I was crying at least once a week at work and having to like, just leave the building. Oh gosh. Um, and, and I'm not a crier. That is far gone. That is a long way down the line of burnout. Yeah. Um, and it was weird because I had to realize it was burnout, not compassion fatigue. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that I wasn't being compassionate. It was just, I was burnt out and, Mm. I was, I, you know, had, I was looking for another job. I, I said, you know, this, I can't work here anymore. Mm. And the, you know, the stress of everything. And I was angry and snapping and, mm. and, um, I, I actually, you know, had to schedule a meeting with my boss and like the hospital manager to, to have a discussion about it because I was like, I, I don't want to leave, you know, this isn't, I don't want to necessarily get another job, but I can't continue doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, because we're overworked and it, and I, and you know, it was, it was very difficult because I'm not a special snowflake. And I even told them that I'm like, I, I'm not special in this. I just realized I had to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I, I was going to end up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and I was very thankful that they were receptive to that. They could very well have not have been because we're still extremely short staffed. Mm. Um, but you know, they, they allowed me to step back down to three days instead of four days. Cause we were, cause I do four tens or four 10 pluses. Mm, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm mostly doing three days a week right now. There's some weeks where, you know, they'll ask me, Hey, can you do an extra week and I'm, or an extra shift this week? And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Um, but I, I, I had to have that conversation and, and I've mm. never had to have that conversation before in my, in my, you know, 18 mm. years doing this. Um, but normally, normally I will catch myself, you know, just sleeping a little bit more, or just not engaging on my days off, mm. um, the way I normally would. And so, you know, just trying to get some of those coping mechanisms, which which is usually pushing myself to go hang out with a friend or, you know, not, not doing all the 5 million things that I commit myself to and, and, you Mm. know, just taking a moment to either veg and just watch a show for the day or Mm. just read and being okay with that. As an A type, that is really hard. I I wouldn't necessarily say I feel so guilty. I I do put a lot of pressure on myself to always be productive, and so 
I I wholeheartedly agree with what you've just said. Some days you really have to say to yourself, you're okay. not going to achieve anything today except for sitting down and reading a book and watching a show and you might have a nap and, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And dinner isn't going to be fantastic. It's going to be really ordinary. It might actually just be a pizza and that's okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think... You know, and I think that was around the time where I think Andy Rourke um, had posted about the challenges that we're facing in the veterinary industry with how crazy it has been. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, and and we were losing, we're still losing people in our clinic. We we're mm-hmm. having a crazy turnaround, right? Or not turnaround, turnover right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I just had to be like, look. If I leave, this company will survive. Mm. But mm-hmm. if I don't take care of myself, mm. then I'm not going to survive. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and so I think as much as veterinary technicians want to n- never show weakness Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. or never show that we can't do it Mm. yes we can do it but are we going to be broken when we're done this is so important and it's two elements here that are really important one is the individual individual technicians and nurses and vets putting their hand up and saying i can't keep picking Mm -hmm. up the slack i know we're short-staffed i know we're busy i can't keep doing that and that's important to say Mm -hmm. A, before you totally burn out and have to quit and B, so that that employer can have the chance to not lose another staff member to say, hang on, I can fix this. Please don't quit. We'll put an ad in. We'll hire more people or we just, but this is the problem is it's easy for me to say because I own my practice, but um, really we need practice managers and practice owners to be looking at the bigger picture saying staff turnover is a massive expense. We need to minimize Mm -hmm. it. We are living through extraordinary times and there is a limit to how many consults we can see and how many appointments we can book and maybe people will have to wait. And I've been through this recently with my practice because we lost our third vet. We're now running a three vet practice with two vets and it's my husband who's picking up Mm. the slack. And recently we were noticing the signs of burnout within him and same as you it was far down the chain of burnout when I was like oh my god you're burnt out he's like yep this is burnout and I said to him you know the business is not this unstoppable force like it's not this thing that we just have to be victims to we need to make changes and I had seen something on social media someone shared a page where the vet practice wrote on their Facebook page We've been working crazy hours through COVID-19. We've been busier than ever. We are all really tired. We are closing on Thursday at five o'clock and we are opening again on Monday at eight o'clock. No staff are available on Friday or Saturday or Sunday. And everyone was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I said that to Matt, I was like, Mm. you just need to to block out your your appointment consults from Mm -hmm. 2 p.m. on a Friday and leave. And he's like, but then I can't leave, you know, the pressure on our other vet and on the staff. And I said, we'll block them out too close the business we can close every Friday or every other Friday or one Friday a month at two or three like I don't care like there's a limit and people will be able to do our staff will still be able to do catch up if we shut the doors Um, they can still answer you know an emergency line if we want to run it that way but we are all going to burn out and suffer um, if we don't just draw the line and say we are not available 
all the time. We cannot just be slaves to this business until we are all, you know, just unable to function anymore. Well, and I think this is a really important thing to remember too. When you get to that burnout level, you are not at your A game. You're probably at your D game. Mm. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I made, and fortunately, you know, it was my own pet, but um, I had my cat come in for a, a anesthetic procedure and I completely forgot to weigh her the day of the procedure and she lost weight. And so, you know, it wasn't significant enough for it to be a problem, but the drug doses were all wrong that day. Mm, and, yeah. you know, that was a wake up call for me. I was like, oh, my God, that's something I never in a million years would have done if I was at my A game. Yeah. And I was like, our mm. patients are going to suffer. We're mm. going to suffer. It's mm. not okay. We need to take care of our most valuable assets, yeah. which is our technicians and our doctors. And like, it's, they, exactly. it's not okay. And it's really hard for yes people who the phone rings on their day off and someone says, can you come in? And they say yes, because they know it's going to be harder for everyone else. But you have to say no. And then you have to probably sit down with your boss and say, I, you can't keep calling me because I actually need those days. And maybe we need to look at hiring someone. And, and I had mm-hmm. this with one of our staff members recently because one of our, um, one of our staff members is having like a chronic health issue at the moment where she's often sick mm. and we're like, that's okay. We're going to work through this. We'll just deal with what we do on days that you're sick. But there was another staff member who tends to work fewer days and she kept getting the phone call, can you come in, can you come in, until the point that we all went for a team dinner recently. And when I came in there and I saw her, she's like, oh my God, I woke up in a cold sweat this morning having a total nightmare that you guys were Mm. calling me in. And I was like, oh, actually this other person was sick today and you nearly did get called in, but we just didn't. And then I I said to Matt, like, we got to stop calling her in. Um, like yeah. it's actually getting to the point that she's having nightmares about it and <laughs> she will always say yes but these are days that she in her mind it's part of her self-care and her coping mechanisms to say well I've got Thursday and Friday off this is what I'm going to do and then to have that rug pulled with a 7 30 a.m phone call or text it's yeah. it's um it all builds up and you've got to you've got to if that's you that's getting those phone calls you've got to say I can't, please, I can never get called on this day or this day. I just, I know how much it sucks when you're short staffed, but I can't be the person that gets the call. Yeah. And, and I, two, two things to that is, first of all, thank you for being someone who can recognize that and be proactive for your staff. Like Mm. not everybody does that. So um, from your staff to you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, and the second part of that is, you know, you're going to feel guilty for saying no. Mm. You're going to feel guilty for putting yourself first because normally we don't go to the bathroom in a 10-hour shift because it's crazy. Mm. Um, so I think we we as professionals – need to take better care of ourselves mm-hmm. as well as our patients, as well as our clinic. Like it's, it is a whole health, right? You mm-hmm. can't, you can't expect everything to, to be where it needs to be functioning. If one part of that cog is limping along. <laughs> That's right. And I think clinics have to be ready to say, 
yes, something needs to happen for this day to now work in our short-staffed situation. But maybe the thing that happens is we call the least important appointments and say, we can't do this today. We're really sorry. Yes. Yeah. Which I think people feel guilty then. They're like, well, what if they go somewhere else? And I'm like, well, then they go somewhere else. That's right. This isn't, I I understand, but I, I don't know about your clinic, but my clinic, we're not, I don't see the finances, but I'm pretty sure we're not hurting for money right now <laughs> No, because we're short staffed and we're seeing so much more than normal. Mm, mm-hmm. It's okay if one of our patients goes somewhere else. Mm, that's right. You know? And like, if I want to get in with my GP, I have to ring ahead no. like three right? weeks, but if it's right? really urgent, I'll just go to any of the GPs in that practice, you know? Right. So exactly. there's always an answer. And in human medicine, I feel like... When someone says, yes, you can get into this specialist in three months, we go, okay. And in vet medicine, when we go, well, we can't do this today, but we can do this tomorrow. Sometimes it's like, oh, not today. I've got to come back tomorrow. Well, and I think that's also, you know, we talk about signposting in, in in my clinic. That is huge. Like if you set expectation, like, oh, this is, sorry, this is a. As, as Jordan and I like to talk about it, it's a little bit of a soapbox rant going on right now. That's okay. You, you get know. up there, girlfriend. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, when we're when we're talking about setting expectations, right, it's, it is it is that customer service thing where if you are someone, you know, and you go to get your car fixed and they say, okay, I have to order the part. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do that. Your car's going to be ready in seven days. And mm. you go, oh seven days. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. And they call you and they're like, guess what? It's only been four days, but your car's ready. Mm. Bonus. They knew it was only going to take four days, but they set the expectation of seven. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now that client is, is ecstatic mm-hmm. versus you tell them it's going to take four days because you know, it's going to take four days, mm. but then there's like a delay in that part. Mm-hmm. So now we're at five or six days and then you have to call the client and say, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Well, then they're just angry because you said four, but we're really at six. Mm. So mm. I think we need to be better about setting expectations for our clients that say, you know, whether that's not today, but we can get you in tomorrow, mm. you know, or, you know, we can't see you in 20 minutes, you know? And I think, Mm. I think that's something that we need to reframe in Mm. our industry too, is, Mm -hmm. is that setting expectations. And I think that might be happening right now with COVID. Mm -hmm, Definitely. (laughs) And and hand in hand with that is really good training for our um, frontline staff, you know, whether they be receptionists Mm -hmm. or client care representatives or whoever they are. Um, Like my main CCR is not a veterinary nurse and I, have put a lot of time into training her with the basics of triage and you don't need to be Mm. a medical person to be taught this is a today thing this is a tomorrow thing this is a in the next hour thing and so being being able to set people up to calmly explain well this is why we can't see you in 20 minutes this is what's happening now or actually yes you are a person that you need to come in right now right yeah but I totally yeah. agree. Like I'm doing renovations at the moment and when a tradie comes and looks and says, um, tradie, that's an Australian word for tradesperson. Um, yeah, totally works for me. <laughs> yeah. So when a tradie, a tradie. A tradie, like it. When a tradie <laughs> comes and has a look at the job and says, oh yeah, no worries. I'll get you an, a quote emailed by tomorrow. In my mind, I'm like, don't say that because 
I know we both know it's not going to be tomorrow and I'm right. going to be annoyed when it's not tomorrow. But if you just yeah. say, I'll get you a quote within the week and then it, it, it gets to me on day three or day four, I'm stoked. Right. You're like, oh, it's, it's, it's sooner than I thought it would be. Mm, yeah. So I 100% agree. Setting expectations we need to be really careful about. Now, what do you think is the main area of our industry that needs attention or improvement? I, I think I think one of the biggest struggles we have, because right now there is, um, and I'm sure you've heard about it in the United States, it's the technician versus nurse thing um, versus an assistant versus all of those. And I think in general, I, I believe the, the basic problem, what it boils down to is lack of education of clients mm. because in, and I, and I know in California, which is where I'm at, um, veterinary medicine is governed by the department of consumer affairs, which to me, when I first learned that it was like mind blowing, <laughs> I'm like mm. consumer affairs, but it, but it very much, that is the mentality of veterinary medicine. So the, the thing is, is in order for anything to change in our industry, we need to make clients aware of that. And mm -hmm. I personally don't care what you call me mm. <laughs> as long as I get to do my job and it's protected. Mm -hmm. And as long as a client understands what I can do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think where we're kind of failing right now is educating the public on, you know, what a credentialed technician or nurse, veterinary nurse, veterinary technician, mm -hmm. what they can do versus someone who's not credentialed, mm. like legally what they're allowed to do. Mm. That has mm -hmm. nothing to do with, you know, how much, you know, it's mm -hmm. how much you're legally allowed to do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like saying, I don't call myself a doctor. I don't call myself a veterinarian mm -hmm. because I don't have those credentials. But we use the term doctor and veterinarian interchangeable because there is that fundamental understanding by the clients mm -hmm. of what a doctor and what a veterinarian does mm. versus a veterinary technician or a veterinary nurse or a veterinary assistant or, a, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the term is that we use. I think people just don't understand what that means. Mm. So they don't understand the importance of having educated whether that's on the job or books or in school you know however it is you get your credentialing I think that's where it just needs to happen is you don't need to educate us we know we know what we can do what we mm. can't do mm. you need to educate the the consumer mm. on what to look for that's um, right and, so and I think doable. before that happens, nothing will change. And so doable now with social media. Like most yeah. veterinary practices have a Facebook or an Instagram page with a following of one to 10,000 clients. Yeah. And you can point a camera at a nurse or technician in your practice or a veterinary assistant in your practice or, you know, a registered technician or a registered veterinary nurse and say, this is so-and-so, this person is a VTS. Um, can we talk a bit about what they do? Um, and yeah. so you really can, can just make content around that, be it videos or photos with um, infographics. And then I think it also can help to allow veterinary clinics to uh, to charge more appropriately and pass that on yes. through appropriate re remuneration of staff um, by showing the clients that 
um, you know, this is what the technician has been doing with your pet today. They're not just holding the dog and getting it in and out of the cage for the vet. Right, exactly. Well, and I think our industry is changing with with more and more clients having um, pet insurance. Mm -hmm. And and that gives us the ability to do more diagnostics, more treatments than we would have otherwise have been able to do. And so in theory, right, we're getting more finances into our industry Mm -hmm. because of that. And I think Mm -hmm. we need to leverage that, you know, have all puppies and kittens get insurance because you never know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we have, um, we don't have many insured pets and I know it's really different for people in, um, in practices where they're a specialist center because operations mm. and treatments can cost many, many thousands of dollars where there's yeah. going to be a limit <laughs> to what we do. And so we, yeah. and, and I've had bad experiences with clients who've had insurance, but there's been a loophole that means they don't get the payout and whatever. Mm, so uh-huh. basically I provide another option to, to clients who are, you know, not so keen on insurance, which is just have a bank account have a bank account yeah. that a certain amount of money comes out of your bank account every week basically insure yourself it. yeah insure yourself mm-hmm. so either you know having having insurance through a third party or at least just having a desert designated bank account um, you can't get away without that these days unless you are happy to choose the option for workup and treatment and care that was probably the only option 20 years ago um, right. which was yeah. let's amputate the leg or let's euthanize or <laughs> whatever that may be so yeah. if you're comfortable with that sure don't have insurance and don't have a bank account but otherwise you know if you do want to to admit the patient and for us to have a better look um insurance is a great idea or your own bank account and savings mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know it, it comes down to education too i think people forget that there is a cost associated with having a pet mm-hmm. i'm like what do you how do you not know like it it cracks me up sometimes yeah, that's right. We have really bad paralysis ticks in Queensland where Ooh, I am. And yeah. years ago, they just killed patients no matter what preventative they were on. But in recent mm. years, we've got some really great products that are basically like almost 100% effective. Um, and so these days, oh, you know, wow. when when they don't have the pet on that and um, they're needing treatment for that and it costs, you know, over $1,000 or whatever and they're shocked by that, I'm just like, oh, we need to get back on social media and do some more education about this and get the word out because um, that's part of our responsibility, right? We can't expect them to just know it's our job as nurses and technicians um, to be educating clients and to be saying to every client that comes in the door, you know, for me in my area, is is the dog on um, tick preventative or, you know, for you guys in your setting, do you have insurance? Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. So, or even for us with people with puppies and kittens, have you thought about insurance? So that's mm-hmm. all part of our job too. And I love that um, we're touching upon client education twofold, one with our role and what we do and two with potential lifelong costs um, and responsibilities yeah. of pet ownership. So I think that's a great one for sure. Um, I've had a really good time catching up with you um, this morning and we we had a great time too with our um, group podcast we did. I'll make yeah. sure I put a link to that in the show notes as well. And um, I'm excited that we're going to be um, having a crack at that again in the near future with everyone. Yeah, I think um, I think that one may 
go. I think that one probably will be released before True, this episode. True, that will go out before this episode. So, True. so it'll be like a little time warp. <laughs> it will be. It will be a time warp. I will put a link to that episode in these show notes as well. Um, but yeah, it's been really nice catching up. And I just want to know yeah. if you can reach out and thank a mentor who's helped in your career and personal development in our industry. Who would it be and mm. what would you say? So I had to think about this because I was like, ooh, <laughs> how do mm-hmm. I answer that? Um, I would say, so there's a couple, and I'll preface it with in school, um, two of my teachers that really stood out, one was Laura Jamison. Uh, she was my, one of my primary teachers in school. And then the second one was Sharon Fornes. And I think the reason I, I say first those two is because they really – instilled in us the possibilities that were out there. Um, I didn't realize it, but, um, you know, this is in 2002. (laughs) So uh, a long time ago, Uh, Sharon Fornes at the time, she had her VTS in anesthesia, and I had no idea that that was so rare. Mm. Um, And she taught us that the VTS was even a possibility. So Mm. I think, you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have pursued it without that first initial, like, just knowledge of it. Um, so I definitely think Miss Jameson and Miss Fornes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as far as just like in veterinary technology in general, um, the two kind of, well, I'll, I'll say three, the three big kind of vet techs that made me go, wow, what's possible for us? First is Ken Yagi. Um, he's he's an amazing speaker, um, and he's trying to change the world, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and then there's Linda Merrill, who's the um, kind of founder of my academy, so founder for internal medicine. And then there's Harold Davis, who also mm. is just a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant mm. person, and I've mm-hmm. seen him speak. And and so I think those you know those three really showed me the possibilities of what we can do with our careers Mm. um that you know we can bring about some change um and and really elevate our profession so i think between all of them you know they show that they're that what we can do is is more than just you know that first job that you ever had right Mm -hmm. and um I say thank you for making this profession better and for, you know, paving the way for us. And mm. and I hope that I can be part of that for someone else, you know, and, and just make things a little bit easier and a little bit better mm. going forward too, mm. so... Actually, Ken and Harold were at the VNCA conference in Australia last year and, and yes. Angel as well. So we had this whole yeah. trinity of amazing people. And, um, yeah, I felt really lucky um, to be seeing them speak as well. So I yeah. get what you mean. There are these people who are just paving the way by saying, well, of course I'm going to get up and speak at this veteran right? conference. Why would vets <laughs> just speak at conference? Let's have exactly. technicians up here as well, which was groundbreaking, you know, um, yeah. when Harold and Arnhill started doing it. So 
Yeah. And there's really dynamic people that just um, put that little bounce back in your step after you've seen them yes. speak. And <laughs> you are definitely doing the same in this new platform Aww. in this day and age, which is, you know, online with the podcast, um, with your membership. So um, I think it's, it's you know, for our time, it's groundbreaking. So congratulations on that. Aww. And I, I have no <laughs> doubt that you are already being that person to other people. Oh, it's it's so funny when I hear that because I'm such a dork. So I'm like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to someday be like that, but I'm definitely not there. So uh, we but are all human. <laughs> I feel the same if someone says that to me, like messages me like, I love your show and this and that. And I'm like, oh, I'm just making a soft boiled egg for my kid in my kitchen right? with like my dog at my feet and, you know, doing something else totally nerdy. I'm about to go do the groceries. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> we are all human at the end of the day. Although exactly. we, we, some of us um, may appear like superheroes to others, you know, in the way that I'm sure you do and in the way that, um, yeah, these these other players like Ken and Harold. So, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned them. I will have to actually um, try and get Ken on the show, I think. Oh, I think he would totally do it. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Challenge set. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just lobbed that one at Ken. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well thank you for Aww. joining me and please thank your husband for staying out oh, in his little definitely. man shed with his sandwich um god love him god you know we are <laughs> behind every amazing podcasting woman um is their husband you know uh, hanging yeah. out being not in the house eating their sandwich my husband's <laughs> at the park with the kids too so right. you know we salute you guys as well exactly i'll let him know that he'll be he'll he'll be happy <laughs> good good all Aww, right well, Thank you, Kat, for having me. It was super fun. I'm glad we got to talk about a lot of different stuff. So <laughs> We did. It's been a real treat. And you have a great night. Is it night? Yeah, it is night. Yeah, it's uh, Saturday evening for me. So Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you so much for the catch up and we'll speak soon. You too. All right. Have a great day. Bye, Kat. Thanks for listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast. To help us make more free episodes, subscribe and leave a review. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Vet Nurse or drop in at radiovetnurse.com.